This is Jamal Ford Robinson, and you are listening to the Cherry Jam Podcast. How's that? Hello, and welcome to episode 30 of series four of Cherry Jam. Myself, Ed Price, Russ Brooks, Jim Harley, and James Eastwood, also known as Snowy. Uh, Loz, bless him, has got a rather sexy but gravelly voice uh, and can't can't join us today we were a bit gutted because it would have been lovely to have all for the whole gang back for this episode as we talk about one of the great Gloucester European performances unfortunately on the losing side um, and I fully admit I was I say borderline I was I was crying I was, <laughs> I got rather emotional uh, uh, at the end uh, on on Saturday. Um, I had been in Bath that day, so I'm going to get bl- blame that. But I was um, genuinely gutted because it was one of those games where every single player left everything out on the field, and it was just undone by uh, you know a physicality that we couldn't quite match, um, and maybe some dubious refereeing. But we're going to start by talking about this week, about the um, the game in La Rochelle. Um, I've got a few views, but I'll come back to them on later. I'm going to start off with Snowy, because we haven't been heard from you for a while, mate. So I'll let you, um, you you start off with your thoughts on the game, and we'll just go around the group. Hello. Um, yeah, so I, I w- it was felt like it was a waiting game, so I wasn't really getting excited. Um even though we were close, it was like, right, floodgates are going to open. Right, floodgates are going to open. Okay, <laughs> floodgates are going to open up. And, and they never did. And then at half time, you thought, well, we had a big wind behind us half time. So you thought, yeah. fair, that was a bit of an advantage, but you thought, fair play. We're, we're playing well. And if anything, we should be further ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the most notable thing, come on to my sort of conclusions from the game as as I sort of cover the game itself is that it was like watching a completely different side in terms of our style of play. So it was very, very clear that it wasn't go out and do what you've been doing all season and hope this time it works. It was, we're gonna we're trying something different. It's a no-lose situation. We're playing yeah. arguably one of the best club sides in the world. So try something else. Let's see what happens. And then we can take that forward into future games if it works. <laughs> I'll come on to that point after. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and it's not just that, of course. It's not just the fact that the the shackles were off and we could play as we wanted to. The the number one fundamental thing that you expect from any Gloucester side, whichever players are in the 15, is that every single man is scrapping for every ball and, and working their asses off. And that was the case for the majority of the side, for the majority of the game. And mm. certainly the end of the game, when we were, were fighting to hold the lead, it's... Yeah as organized and intense a, def- a spell of defense as I've ever seen. You know, it was it was players just putting their bodies on the line, making sure they were get, giving every single thing they had to, to try and stop that try. Um, and we're very unlucky. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot to digest from the game. I thought um, the general setup was better with Santi at fullback, which is clearly his natural position. He sees yeah. the space, he pops into the space, he releases players. I thought um, Billy Trailtree's 36 had a superb game at 10. Absolutely superb. I'd 
dare I say it, I'd say it's probably his best ever Gloucester game. <laughs> well, um, to be honest, I don't think that's I don't think that's that's particularly out, uh, outlandish a statement, mate. To be honest, yeah, was, he, he yeah. played at just the right depth. He was keeping them guessing all the time. He was bringing players in to attack him and then releasing balls. He was missing people out on passes at all the right times. I thought he really dictated the game for the backs. We moved the ball quickly from nine, which we haven't seen all season. Yeah. Um, and we were, you know, a serious attacking threat every time we had the ball. And it's, yeah, <laughs> I know everyone else is going to have a lot to say as well. So I'll jump onto the, the key point I want to get across. But mm-hmm. what is absolutely clear as day for everybody to see is that is the style of play that suits us and that we should be playing week in, week out. And there is nothing special about the Premiership that means we should be reverting to box kicks, kicking and trying to trying to win the game that fashion. And if that worked all the time, I'd say, yeah, fair point. That's effective. Let's stick with what's effective. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> this works. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but it's so much more entertaining. Think of the fact... Oh, hang on. Wait, that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you can see you can see why we're getting sellouts week in, week Oh. No, we're not. There's loads more I can break down the game itself, but the, the key point I want to get across is as as amazing as the performance was and every player can can hold their head up, I don't know who would be more pissed off seeing George Givington's interview afterwards, us or those players themselves having just put their body on the line when he said it was a one-off, but it's not the sort of style of play we want and we're going to revert to type because it's more effective in the Premiership, and that that just puts such a dampener on it. But yeah, revolt, I, I don't want to be too I don't want to be too negative because everything in the game itself was great, and the, the players can all hold their heads up high. Yeah, um, Russ, and then I'd come to you, Jim, at the end. Uh, Russ, your your thoughts? Um, I echo absolutely everything Snowy said. Um, I was nervous when we put twelve trees in at ten, not because of any issues with. Billy, it kind of ties into I thought we could have had someone like Barton get a chance, but fair play, Billy was superb. You always expect him to be as committed and motivated. That's what he's all about. But yeah, he managed that game so well. He he made every decision he made. I don't think he ever made a bad decision. I thought, I've been thinking about it and I watched it back and I think that last 10 minutes, that defence, to me it feels a bit like the film The Great Escape where I'm going to watch it and every time I'm going to convince myself that we can hold on and it will be just as devastating every time bloody Toma goes over in the corner. I I can't think of a better defensive set by Gloucester even though they scored it was just superb and Ben Morgan in those 10 minutes oh wow and we just because Ackerman's probably out for a long time now can we just can someone find a reason to persuade him to come out of retirement even though he hasn't yet retired and just stick with us until because he was just he, he like Snowy said I, I like everything Snowy said about that defence I think he epitomised in that last 10 minutes along with Jamal's tap tackle which oh, was, yeah, well, that was Jesus, tackle, what a tackle. Um, 
I've, you know, again, I don't want to go into the, there's so much we could talk about, but there were so many good performances. Seb Atkinson, his pass, Freddie Clark's finish is ridiculous, but the pass is just <laughs> superb. That was his best game for us. As yeah, well, I think. by yeah, a mile. And, and I think I've said that every time I've come on. Oh, that was Seb Atkinson's best game. He's just getting better and better. Um, Vivas looked good. I mean, you know, it's always good to have your debut in La Rochelle against Antonio as a nice, easy settler for you as a prop. Um, so I thought he was super. I thought for me in the pack, um, Jack Clement was just just awesome. That That is not a gig you want against a pack that's 50 kilograms or whatever it was heavier is number eight. But he was on the back foot for a lot of it. He was superb. So, yeah. I'm going to say the same as Snowy. You just watch that game plan and just think, I, I can't think of a side. If we played like that every week, which is a big ask, and I thought Healy and Delalio got that right with their analysis and that emotional level that we had to go to to play like that. But like they said, you learn how to play like that and you learn to win. If we played like that or even 70% of that week and week out, I can't think of a side that would live with us in the premiership genuinely and it was the best defensive display we've done so you, you've got an all-rounded game plan there and I think everyone saw that we need to shift our game plan except George Skivington and it was like a wet fart when he made that comment <laughs> I just I went from being really pumped really excited really proud of the boys to be like oh for god's sake because honestly that game is amazing and it will live long in the memory it's probably our best European performance but what defines our season now is what we do against Bath. And if we see me and Pitt and three or four box kicks in the first few minutes, I'm just going to die inside, I think. But overall, really, really chuffed for the boys with how they played and absolutely devastated at the same time for them. Um, Jim, um, up to you. You can either sort of echo comments, add comments, or if you want to talk about certain players, you're more than welcome, mate. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, absolutely agree with everything. Um, I watched it in a pub in Bristol um, with a few Bristol supporters that yeah. couldn't quite believe how good Gloucester were as well. <laughs> um, I think because I, because just like the bookies expected us to get beaten by 30 points. Yeah. I kind of, a, a bit like Snowy was saying, I just kind of thought, well, we're going to concede two or three tries like in, in a three-minute window at some point. And then it, we never did. Our defence was... I mean, talk about um, the defence. I thought Lewis Ludlow had zero regard for his body. Like, yeah. he... At times, I thought he would, would be giving away a penalty the way he just launched himself with zero control um, into um, those defensive situations. I mean, God, he must have been aching yesterday. Um, and I imagine he's aching today and I imagine he'll be aching tomorrow but uh, yeah I mean you talk about the mental the mental game the, the very best teams have that ability to play uh, somewhere close to that level every single week because of the mental strength um, and um, that would be that would be something special if we could uh, if we could build on that um, I didn't really have a lot of commentary and I didn't get the post-match, which no. is probably a really good thing because otherwise I'd have been just as pissed off as you guys were at the end of the game. <laughs> um, because um, I honestly, I honestly thought that was a late April fool when, when you mentioned it in the chat. 
um, because that just doesn't make any sense at all. If we played the most entertaining, the most exciting and the most high standard rugby we have for a couple of years, um, we need to be doing that all the bloody time. Maybe it's just a voo. Well, yeah. do you know what I was about to say? Is this really, really, really early kidology to sort of lull Burt Bath to think we're going to play the boring bog standard game? I, we're I, just going I, to come out and play like with that again? Yeah, but the thing is, be... we've, left, we've left it too late, you know, because now we're playing for eighth place. Yeah. You know, yeah. what we should have done <laughs> they, is maybe done that and then Christmas. turned it all on in the semi-final. Mm. Yeah. But that was what we were all saying, wasn't it? Like early in the season, we were all saying, maybe we'll kick on and develop at some point. And then well, to do it in a shit or bust game. We I mean, called you... it last yeah. week, saying that we've been crap for weeks. We can't, I mean, we can't beat the worst teams in the league. So what happens when we play the European champions? Oh, well, we'll play fantastically and beat them. But I mean, we nearly bloody did. I think the frustration for me, the main frustration for me is what does it say about what our coaches think of our players? If you can't trust them week in, week out, but you can in a throwaway game, you know, and they clearly showed they're up to it because I don't think that there weren't many times watching it where you kind of groaned and went, what the hell was that decision? And most of the time, the decisions were pretty good. So they know what they're doing. They're professional players. They know how to execute. You've got someone like Harris who, I mean, defensively was superb. That's one of the best attacking games I've seen him play in a long time as well. His line for his try was yeah. just ridiculous. They know what they're doing. And, I haven't seen our pack look so hungry and aggressive and want to carry for a long time as well. And it's all well and good saying you're a forward orientated game that requires your pack to kind of carry, not just truck after box kick. So I, I think, you know, we're all Gloucester fans. We are all, we've all been around long enough to know what our pack used to all be about. None of us would have a problem with that. If, if, if forward dominated means we have a really nasty pack, that unleashes some good backs. I'm in. Sign me up. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. And, and that's the thing, like that. To to play at that level, you have to have a level of intensity that, in reality, you can't sustain through the length of a season. Yeah. But we weren't just shoveling shit and then getting away from, with it because we our collisions were so intense. It was the decision making was good. It's not it's not you can either be conservative, kick away possession and eke over the scoreboard, or you have to throw wild passes around and hope you get lucky. It's not either or. You you can generate yeah. fastball, move <laughs> the ball around and be accurate and make good decisions. So you know the, and, and that the thing about good decisions, so I'll, I'll just do my little quick review quickly. So a couple of things. First of all, quick, good decisions. The big thing for me was I think that's probably the most we've offloaded in like a year but what was really interesting to see was for the most part i mean obviously it's going to go wrong sometimes because your any offload has got an inherent risk to it but what surprised me and what was really refreshing was the number of times though they would look to offload and then realize this isn't the time to offload and then set and we go again yeah. it's a 50 50 i'll bring it back i'm gonna here. i'm yeah. gonna but I'm when gonna... it's a 70 30 then you give it you, you take and, that risk and, and the and the again you're trusting the players to make the decision. And as you actually know, Snowy and Russ, to hit that intensity is almost impossible two weeks in a row, let alone across a season. But what I would say is, and, and why I think everyone who watched that game is kind <coughs> of like baffled by the comments afterwards by George Givington is, 
no one's asking you to start playing bar bars rugby. No one's asking you to say we're going to totally and utterly just get rid of the box kick entirely because actually, even on Saturday, we box kicked it when we needed to. We 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 kicked the ball from defensive situations to gain territory and uh, and move us up the park. We were, but we weren't kicking the ball away aimlessly in their twenty-two or in when we hit their ten-meter line, which is what we consistently do. Um, and even when we were box kicking, and again. Uh, when it was ne- when it needed to be slowed down because we're under pressure and we're just settling, getting ourselves set, we did so. And also, what was interesting was we were clearing to the line as well. We, I mean, we didn't necessarily keep the ball in play continuously, but we often do. Um, and then when we needed to go quick, we went quick, and and that was really refreshing to see. Um, I mean, Jim, I hundred percent. I mean, I I'll be honest. We we spoke last week, and I was expecting forty fifty points. I mean, the fact that the bookies had a seventeen to one to win within seven points, so win by one one to seven points, seventeen to one is just indicative of why everyone was so surprised by it. And yeah, we probably caught La Rochelle on a bad day. I don't think they necessarily expected how we were going to play, and you could almost see O'Gara going, "What the fucking hell is this?" Because this is nothing how he'd prepared or trained for. Um, but there was a couple of other things that struck me one during the game. And then afterwards, the first of all was Santi at fullback. It's just, it's just infinitely better. We look such a better side, more balanced. We've got confidence of a player who's going to catch a, catch the high ball for a start. So a back three instantly feels more secure because you're not having to worry about the wingers aren't always having to think, hang on, I'm not sure he's going to catch that, so I'm going to have yeah. to cover, which creates space yeah. out wide. All of this is interconnected. I thought, again, Seb Atkinson, and let's be honest, Seb Blake, I mean, Jesus, sodding Christ. That lad, as talk about stepping up. I mean, he's 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 arguably our number one hooker now. I don't even think, I would be annoyed if if when you get Singleton, Sacchino and McGuigan back, I'd be annoyed for Seb Blake if he doesn't retain his spot as our number one hooker. And then something that has struck me quite quickly after the game. And I was thinking about like comparisons and where that game sits in terms of Gloucester fans, memories and all the rest of it. And obviously we lost. And I think that's important to note. We did lose. We didn't win, which is, I think if we'd won, I don't quite know how this pod would have worked today. I think we would have just been still drunk, but um, I I would have actually, to be fair, I think I still am. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think my brain would compute. No, I just, I think, just be sat here. I think we'd all be sat here stunned. I think. <laughs> just... actually, do you know what it would be? It would be all of us would have tall voices, no voices like Loz. Yeah. Um, but no, the 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 closest I could think of was Wasp two thousand and six, where it's the only time I've ever watched a Gloucester game and we've lost, and I've come out of it going, "There's something here. We've got we've we've randomly found this sort of collection of players and style of rugby and it." it we, you know, at that time we took the took the champions of England all the way to the edge, and it was just their ability. You know, then now it's their physical ability that did us in the end. That was a, that's that, a good. I like that. That's a very similar I, this analogy. Is, well, I, felt I, I, like, no, I was going to say it's a bit different because the difference with that that was a very young Gloucester team, and it was I like agree. this is what the next few years yeah, looks yeah, like, yeah. and that, that's not necessarily the case now. I want to say no. Well, there, there are some young players. There are players. Yeah. Yeah. Got players the only the only difference. Between for me, I mean, yes, I agree. So there are a lot. Of, there were a lot more younger players in that in that 2006 side. But the big difference for me between 2006 and now is that in 2006 you knew 
the the Gloucester coaching staff, Dean Ryan and uh, etc., they recognised the strengths mm. and how to play the game. And I'm not sure George Givington does. Now, I, I'm going to give him some slack in the fact that he'd literally come off the pitch and he was basically about a minute after the final whistle, gets a mic shoved in front of his face and they're asking him about the style of rugby and all the rest of it. And his brain must have been absolute mush because let's be honest, I would have been, I, w- I mean, you know, I was crying. So if that had been it me, I would have been absolutely tears. It was, and you could tell he was, he was bringing a lot of emotion through to that. So maybe we were overanalyzing his statement and comments and actually what he, he you know, in the cold light of day, when he looks back and sees the game plan and sees how well it worked, you're not going to play that intensity. You're not going to play even probably even that level of abandon. You're going to maybe rein it in a bit. But maybe, maybe he'll look at it and go, do you know what? I've stumbled upon this, but I've got a set of players that are good enough to do this alongside a more reserved game plan. God help us. We've got options now, which we may may not have thought we had a couple of weeks ago. Um, I mean, j- just on on anything else, anything else you want to kind of mention on the on the the game and the the, well, no, the feelings I think, afterwards. I think the way that we play for the next eighty minutes, because like you say, you're probably not you're not going to play like that um, for for all all the eighty, but we need to see more of that when it's appropriate, and how we play in the next game certainly the next couple of games is is going to be really really key because if we don't see any of that in the next two games then i think there'll be a bit of a fan revolt and there'll be a lot of, i mean yeah. what it reminds me there'll of be a lot of people is, questioning yeah. what's going on can you, you remember in was it in night uh maybe 2000 when we played clinefly in cardiff in that yeah. Hurricane cup run we played cardiff at home yeah and, and we beat them with a um, a kick from Simon Mannix on the halfway line to to win the game. And oh no no the... no! Cardiff Cardiff was Cardiff. That Cardiff game was. Um... You mean when we yeah. got semi final? Oh no, we beat Cardiff oh, quite too. comfortably. No, it's uh, court court final. I think what? Yeah, no, court, it... court finals. We beat them quite comfortably. Really, they scored a try in the last minute to make uh, it look a bit closer. Yeah, after the Clinetti game. The Clinetti game was the yeah Clinetti game was the great yeah, yeah. stage where Moncrief, yeah, Moncrief, Moncrief yeah, yeah. dropped. And then, and then, yeah. then the Manics, quarterfinals we beat Cardiff. Um, it was a manic. Manic's kicked from the halfway line, I remember. I don't think that was to win it necessarily, but it gave us enough of a breathing yeah, space. Yeah. I think, anyway, yeah. we were crap that season, and the the game after that, I think we played Wasps. They had a player sent off, and we lost about twenty nil. And I think Philip Saint Andre offered his resignation, and it wasn't taken. That's how <laughs> bad. That's how bad yeah, we were after, I... after beating Cardiff in that knockout game. So what I worry is that we don't just revert to that that standard again in the league. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Skivs would be very brave against Bath in a must-win game to revert to Dross. Because if, 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 if we start losing that game, he's in a very difficult position then, I think. The other thing he, is player, player buy-in, right? How do you take part in that game and then buy-in yeah. to that structure and training <laughs> yeah. for the following week? You're Ollie Forley and Louis Reece Summit, who just made probably more yards in one game than they've had all season because mm. they didn't well, have to go the look at it. And they're like, yeah, all right, yeah. lads, back, back, right, training. 
we're going to give you to a rest because actually we can just put two wheelie bins on string to replicate what you're doing for the drills. I just don't see how they would buy it. I think one of the big, the big differences there is Santi because when he comes into the line, you've then basically got two winger options, which with those wingers is such a threat because Santi holds the ball in two hands. You're not sure if he's cutting back inside when you Forley was passing so because it was always a combo of two players, there were mm. lots of like interpassing between the wings and we just made so much ground. I, I made this point to Ed the other day and I think the thing that always frustrates me, and we're never going to do this under with the way we are, but when we had Cipriani and we were that successful in, um, in, in that run, when Cipriani got the ball, you would genuinely, as a defender, you would have no idea who it was going to. Was it going to Atkinson? Was it going to go out the back? Was a forward going to come on to pace with it? Gloucester now, at the moment, you know, if you hold out for two phases and then it's going to be static forwards who are just going to not risk busting and getting isolated, they're going to flop over because they won't run from the contact then it's a box kick. It's it's just so far away from anything. Yesterday, sorry, Friday, whenever it was Saturday, <laughs> it felt so much more exciting because you had people like Forley coming looking for work. I mean, that try for Clark, he got it back on the inside and he kept going. There were options. And that's all I want to see. I don't expect us to run it all the time, but give us some options. Don't... Like, like you you said to me, Ed, it was so obvious when we're box kicking. Your defenders, you're like, right, here it comes. Just drop three people back. Why not be something brave from that? We did that against Bordeaux, I think it was. Me and yeah. Dumid. And let's, that's all I want to see for the rest of the season is find some mix of that. Because by all means, there will be times, you know, I'm a fan. I'll be like, I'll be at home going, fucking kick it dead. Stop running. You know, you want that. You want them to make the right decisions. Just like I said, I remember saying this to my father-in-law on the night. He's like, stop saying trust the process. Trust the fucking players on the pitch to make the right decisions. And if they get it wrong, that's what Ackerman was always good at. He would back them. That's what they need. And just give them a chance. Because we've got nothing to lose the rest of the season now, really. Not to mention as well, we got absolutely mullered in the scrum and in the end of the tight. (laughs) And yet we we still got over the game line probably more than we ever have in the league when we're yeah. when we've got at least parity on that level. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say I, I think Rush, you mentioned Vivas. Um, important to know that when your debut, uh, when you're looking at your ideal debut, as you said, uh, pack, packing down against Antonio, Antonio was scouting behind, behind him, him. Yeah, and Bottier behind Bottier him. Bottier behind him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll be that's honest, ridiculous. Yeah, I that, mean, we'd rather not. We've got to judge him in over the next few weeks, haven't we? I, I, he looked reasonably good in that he did enough. And I thought Jamal did well when he came on less than ideal circumstances. They they, they did enough, didn't they? And Clement was was a big reason in why we were getting over the game line. Yeah, I think I think this is the thing. You know, there were, we've, we've had games where we've won this season. We've had games where we've lost. We can pick out one or two players. When you have performances like that, you can easily pick any player for man of the match. Um, and, and, I, and I thought there was significant... I mean, it was interesting. They gave it to Louis, um, Reece Summit, um, who I thought had a good game. But, I, you know, I could have picked five or six, realistically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, any, any of the Gloucester team could have had it, probably. Mm. But I don't really see... 
I think I think when, when, when a losing, when a losing player gets it, it's normally because that losing player was just head and shoulders above everyone else. Yeah, I remember James Hook getting get it, it for Perpignan against Gloucester a few years ago at King's Home, where I think he pretty much tried to single, I, I, he I mean, single-handedly won on his own. To, to be so. fair, Jim, I think you're wrong there because I remember one game. Gloucester absolutely pumped Bristol and they gave man of the match to Phil <laughs> Christopher. No, it was Jason Little, mate. It was, was it, oh, Little. even better. Yeah. It was Jason Little because it was uh, James Forrester got a hat trick and they gave player of the match, man of the match to Jason Little. One of the greatest. It was worth, it was so funny. It was, uh, yeah, I know that was down at the, that was the, the memorial ground. I, I think the last thing I'd like to say is at least we lost in a different way because for the last 10 minutes, my brain could not compute <laughs> that we're in a European game winning and are hanging on because normally it's guts and glory, isn't it? It's shit or bust. We're losing and we fuck it up on the try line. This time, like... I was just literally, I don't know what to do with myself. We're winning in a European. Oh, no, I, I, knew, I knew we were losing. Unless oh, we I knew were. I knew we were. I knew we were. I think I knew we were. But my brain just, that last stand, I was like, someone's going to knock it on. Something's going to happen. It just. Be fair, you know, yeah, I mean, fair play. Their ball um, their ball retention was superb, wasn't it? To, well, it should be. Our, about five bloody free latches, Jim. I mean, Christ well, almighty. Well, the ref had just given up refereeing that entire... Yeah. I mean, the one we, thing... We, yeah. we were offside. They were throwing men over the top head first. One of it the was... really terrible decisions was the one where... Um, I can't remember who it was who went over. Was it Louis V. Summit? Basically, a player a player took it to ground there, twenty two. Our player went just straight over the top, didn't touch him or anything, just didn't compete, just missed him basically because mm. they were both running away. Yeah, yeah. And I then mean, we turned yeah. it over, and he said, "Ah, oh, you're the second man in." Yeah, I know. I just said <laughs> 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 that. That's how it worked. Surely, you have to actually like, try and claim the ball or something. I think it? that was the first. That might have been like the first or second involvement of Louis Rissamet after the disallowed try. So you could see in his brains, like, I'm not touching, I'm not touching him, I'm not, I'm definitely not touching him, and he kind of got out of the way, and then, yeah, it, and then he came I, I in. Mean, oh, it's ridiculous. The worst decision was to not red card after that crocodile roll on on Ackerman because it was a horrific yeah, that, injury, yeah. and you know it's a bugbear because the head injuries are bad, but you compare it to Mercer in Montpellier where it's a yeah. questionable red card. If you if you are genuinely saying you want player safety, a crocodile role like that has to be a red card because it's that's how can fuck no I, I mean I but hope they haven't it, put any they haven't it been looks no news so bad no news. he and, walked and, off which is cheers to French TV for showing it about five hundred times as well just to yeah. be really just to really hammer home that it was bad but how that was only a yellow card I. I have no it's idea. stupid, isn't it? Because they've got such a black and white policy now for head contact yeah. that often it's like, oh, come on, that wasn't much, was it? It's like, well, we have to give a red card. And yeah. then you've got something that's blatantly in your face like that worse than the other cards uh, you've I'm... given all season. And you say, well, because I don't have a black and white ruling on it, I'm going to give it yellow. And, and how many careers are injured by stuff like that? You know, serious leg injuries. It's, it's just as just as severe a thing. It just, mm. you know, you've just got, it, it shouldn't, yeah, it needs stamping out as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, so a couple of things. We'll move on to the the, the sort of the refereeing generally, and 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 a few points around the refereeing. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of is covering off one bit of it. But there was just something I did. It was in in honor of Lawrence because we all know Loz is a massive um, Blackadder fan, 
and it, it was a, again when I when I, I was with Jim, so I I didn't um, I'm with Jim here. I didn't see the uh, the post match stuff live. I watched it back later because I was on a train, um, and um, I so I, <laughs> I didn't see it live. So when I found out about the comment from Skibs about the uh, going back to the, the drawing board, going back to the old style of play, instantly popping into my head was the, the quote from General Melchett. If nothing else works, a total pig-headed unwillingness to look facts in the face will see us through. And it was a little bit of that in my head. I was like, that that's very much a Melchett's whole thing. Um, the refereeing, I'm not a big fan of that ref anyway. I can't remember his name. He's Scottish, isn't he? Adamson. Yeah. Adamson. I'm not a big fan of him. I find he's the, he's the worst. It's the worst for me. The, the biggest fault you can have as a referee is inconsistency. And I always worry when he's refing because I think he's inconsistent. I don't mind if you get the if you get the same decision for both sides, regardless if it's right or wrong in your eyes. If both sides are getting penalised for it, at least you're consistent, and at least the players yeah. you and, can and, and you can adjust your game exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I have to be honest, I thought some of the decisions, as you said, um, really that the the referee had given up at the end in terms of refereeing the breakdown. And if you're La Rochelle, you're thinking, well, hang on a minute. They've had about nine off their feet there. You know, Gloucester have come off their feet there. There's, there's hands in the ruck. There's all sorts of stuff going on. And But, you know, earlier in the game, you were pinging them left, right and centre. For Gloucester, you all... I mean, the number of times that La Rochelle players were flying in off their feet, going way past the ruck and, and all the rest of it, he wasn't pinging them, but he did a, a, earlier in the game. It, it's, it's almost impossible from a player's point of view to adapt to that. Um... And then that's even before you get on to the um, the, the the non-red, and then yes, potentially the the disallowed try. I mean, thoughts on the disallowed try? I felt it was the right call at the time. I didn't really see it was too much of a controversy. But your views? If I'm old, I'm a bit annoyed on getting pushed off the ball by a winger. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I've seen them given before. It did look a push, but equally at the same time, it's the sort of thing you've seen let go hundreds of times as well. No one really made a big deal about it. I don't know. For me, it's a really for me hard it was a rugby one. contact. It was a rugby contact. It wasn't a shove. It was it was almost a kind of balancing yourself. You see, I, I well, I'd say I'd say I see play on more often than I see mm. play stopped for that. Yeah, I I, I agree. In, for normally when that happens, the trouble is when it's a choice, it's part of the, the act yeah. of try scoring. They are mm-hmm. looking for a reason not to give the try. And in that case, you can't ignore it. You can't see, you can't see that push. And as a TMO, yeah. say that's legal because it's not. <laughs> so if it's the other way around, I, and they're like, Oh, it's a push. And then they just awarded the try anyway. I'd be absolutely livid that the TMO checked that. And and not, that's, and that not was my it. view. And I thought, I thought at the time that I, as soon as I saw that push, as soon as I saw the 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 the, the contact, it wasn't really a push, as you say, Russ, but the contact. I thought they're going to pull this back because, as you see, Snow, you you you're seeing it as soon as you slow it down, it makes it about twenty times mm. worse. And it, it it to me it looked. It was pretty obvious. I thought, okay, well, that's going to be chalked off. Um, that's frustrating. Um, but then we'll come on to other decisions in a second. I'm going to pause now. We're going to come back and talk about other games in Europe 
um, this weekend. Also, an interesting thing on about um, TMO decisions and the uh, England-Italy women's game, which is an interesting thing. First time I've seen this happen. Um, and um, just to sort of finish off about Lara, the Lara Show Gloucester game, um, it really was, or it felt like it could be one of those moments, regardless of whether we won or lost, it felt like it could have been one of those moments where we've suddenly found the missing ingredient. And I just hope that the coaches do look at it closely and look at it in the cold light of day and say, and analyze it properly rather than just sort of dismissing it as a one-off game, which is easy to do and actually look at it and go, well, this is what we could do. Let's try it again. Right. Pausing, coming back, chatting about other stuff. Hi, this is Santi Osino, and you're listening to the Cherry Jam podcast. Okay, um, other instant, other results this weekend. It's actually a really good weekend for um, Champions Cup rugby. If anybody saw the Montpellier Exeter game, which was absolutely superb. Snowy shaking his head. That's fine. Yeah. Using the I, I, I saw the extra time. Oh my! It was mate. The, the, from I mean, I watched it from about ten minutes in to go in the first half, and it was just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant game of rugby. Although I agree with other people in that I don't feel try scored is really the way to finish a game of rugby. I don't know about you. I, I do you think Montpellier knew that the draw was a loss? Yeah. Because yeah, Gloucester, Gloucester would have been in that situation. In that <laughs> um, but yeah, I kind of. I, I, it's a bit like an away goals thing, isn't it, in footy that they've now stopped, I believe. But mm. um, yeah, it, it did kind of. You wanted extra extra time. I, no, I wanted I penalty think... shootouts as well. I wanted penalty shootouts just for the no. just for the shits and giggles of props taking penalties. It's just brilliant. Um, yeah, but I, I think um, it... you know, would it have gone to red cards before it went to penalties anyway? So no, they were, they were screwed. I don't know. I think, I it, think it goes yeah. back to like try scored in. Group stages, it's, no, it's crazy. It's, 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 it should be. It should be. It should. Number I of pastas sold on a match day. You know, this, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Sorry, Ed, I didn't mean to cut you. But if I'm Exeter and I'm scraping through because we've drawn with forty man Montpellier, it's not fourteen man Montpellier not, for a very long. It's time. It's not. Well. I, it doesn't look great, does it? I mean, but that's a win, though. I mean, you know, that'd be nice. Better than losing to fourteen man Newcastle, isn't it? Well, yeah, but that's Point. yeah, I yeah, I take that. But I, it, it, it's just again with Europe, isn't it? Just no one knows what the fuck's going on after time of the process. I mean, depending well, I say, on though. who won where was who was going where in the next round and yeah. stuff. You know, it was <clears throat> fucking crazy. Yeah, because I was thought I thought if because there was a thing in my brain, I was like, oh, does this mean if we'd won on? Um, Saturday. I couldn't work out if we'd had a home set, a home quarter. Apparently not. Apparently, Sarah, it would have always been to Saracens, Yeah, and it was like I, what, yeah. who Exeter and Montpellier played was based on the outcome. It was just weird. Mm. It's yeah. like, how can we make these competitions even more convoluted? It's yeah. just, yeah. Jim, do, so you, do you, would you agree then, Jim, that, you know, penalty shootouts better than a you know, I maybe maybe a golden point extra time would that be a better solution at the end? Um, I, I would be quite happy with another two five minutes golden point. Mm -hmm. 
I think that would that 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 would go well. Although, like, I suppose that, yeah, Golden Point would be quite interesting because it you'd normally you try and maybe play territory rather like you wouldn't want to have the ball in your twenty-two, but it might change the game a little bit if the teams were. Good luck kind of, fucking box kicking it if it's golden yeah. point, you know. No, but yeah, I think that they could they could maybe look at um yeah, five minutes each way golden point and then go to the then go to the kicks. Because mm. I think the, the kicks, the kicks I, I always remember the kicks where we had the most naturally gifted footballer in the world going to kick Martin but yeah Martin Williams <laughs> proper commentator's curse and yeah. yeah I do I do I mean I I just think rugby fans should experience the same agony as football fans and yeah and, but then uh, it should be but more footballers common. footballers kick footballs yeah? yes all of it's them. even funner it's even more fun then right rugby players most of them okay don't kick the ball they just okay so do do from the five meter line a pick and get one on one pick and go. Oh, like um, like they do in hockey. Like in hockey, yeah. You start Ooh. on the dead. You start at halfway, and you have to beat the keeper. And like, you good. don't, you you don't tell it. Could you imagine like you get the mismatch or someone like Tuisura against Jack Knoll or something like that, based on who picks what when? Or you have to, yeah. but you, you have to pick a number out of a hat. So it could oh, be, could, yeah, it, pick it, it at random. Yeah, against, yeah. Oh, Louis Rousseau versus yeah Dan Cole. <laughs> yeah, it would Yeah, we. What would happen is we'd get like Lloyd Evans against Max Maylands and me and against someone fucking decent, and we'd be fucked when we'd be like three tries down in minutes. No, but that I think that 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 could be that could be really good fun actually. Um, how would you would you have it like a two on two? I was going to say no, I think one, one on one. one, one might... No, one on one will work really well. Basically, if your knees hit the ground, that's it. Yeah, tackles made, you're done. What about like a dodgeball thing where you stick the ball on the you stick you, so someone starts on the try line, someone starts on the halfway line, and uh, the try line what, the... is that, and, and the no, balls. No, no, you you have one player um, underneath each set of posts. And the ball's yes. in the middle. The ball's in the middle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or do you have... What, We're all right with we, the summit and Yeah, we'd also have... Yeah. You know what happened, right? It'll be, it'll be Louis or Wally. They get there, they'd bloody knock the fucking thing on. Yeah, it'd be like snowy <laughs> and ball yeah, and right fat there. blokes, yeah, fighting over it. They, they get there before the other opposition players even left the 22. Do you ever want... The one <laughs> no that, pressure at all. So the one that would work for us is you could have a box kick, someone chases it, and it's if the player catches it or they get... Fucking murdered and dropped it. So you could, we could have we me could have and box kicking, Ludlow box, chasing yeah. after it. <laughs> no, no, we we do box kits. We don't do box kits well. We still lose. <laughs> yeah. We still lose. That's that. a good point. I I just think yeah. I I think there should be some interest. I, I agree with you, Jim. I think maybe I don't necessarily think five minutes each way. I think a single five minute golden oh. point that I think would be more than enough. I don't think you need five minutes each or way. Or bring back the tug of war just to oh, get it really ser- yeah. serious yeah, again. Be good, wouldn't it? Bring back the tug of war. Basically, it's the, it's the 15 players you've got on. At, so you're not allowed to make any tactical subs in extra time. <laughs> yes. so it's the 15 players you've got on. That's it. Um, yeah, or, or maybe the inflatable rugby ball over the post oh, could challenge. You, could you, what about, <laughs> could what, you man? Um, have they done one where they drop a... Where you, that's a t- um, in touch. In touch, they do um, a drop off, don't they? You drop off, yeah, yeah. So it starts six aside, and then 
in extra time drop off. It goes to five aside, <laughs> four aside, three aside. So you could potentially do that with your uh, maybe start with, or, with game or, seven. Yeah. or you have to swap your forwards and your backs. So you have a scrum with backs, <laughs> back line of forward. <laughs> could, you, could you imagine the interviews? Because you know, in football, you always get the draws. Have you been practicing um, penalties during training? You'd be like, so uh, George, have you um, have the players been practicing their um, their tug of war in preparation for this key upcoming game? <laughs> Um, how's yeah, Jamal like, getting yeah, on at yeah, full we, back? We, we put 42 hours of tug of war practice. <laughs> yeah. in. We talked, we talked for 30 seconds about line out and we think we're ready for the game. <laughs> we lost 62 nil to La Rochelle and it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I just, no, I, I don't know. There's a little, I'm, I'm a bit torn. I, I think probably there should be one other. I, I don't like the idea of any game finishing as a draw and someone winning without, a definitive sort of final moment. I think yeah, I agree. that to me just seems a bit weird. Um, obviously, both sides went into it knowing exactly what the, the situation was going to be. It's just, it feels a bit weird. Um, j- quickly on Montpellier, obviously you mentioned it briefly, which was the um, the red card for, uh, for Zach Mercer, um, which I think probably we'd all agree was on the harsh side. I know he's going to be a Gloucester player, but we haven't got any skin in the game at the moment. It felt harsh. There was very little force in it. I saw it. When I saw it, I didn't even know it was him. And I thought, that looks harsh. That's mm. a yellow at best. You know, it's he's a p- impacted by the tackle of the other player, isn't he? That was, mm. There's not a lot. He, it's, it felt a, a similar thing to what they were saying about like Freddie Stewart. I don't know. Short of him apparating and disappearing, I don't know what else he can do there. Really. I think the only difference between Stewart and Mercer was obviously the Stewart one was it was a knock on and kind of everyone stopped. I know yeah. you probably shouldn't. Whereas Mercer, he was upright. I mean, that's, that's, that's my, that's the only thing yeah, that as I, soon I, as you're up like that, and he was still going towards the player. So even if the player hadn't have been tackled, he was still in that right position, which means if the body gets in the wrong place, he, it could have been in a red card anyway. Um, for me though, that it's, they talk about, yeah, direct head uh, contact to the head, but there was no force which generally brings it down to a yellow. And they were saying, oh, there's no mitigation, et cetera. But there was no force to it. I mean, you you play it in full s- speed and the bloke's like kind of almost resting his face on the blo- on his shoulder. It just seemed a bit, a bit, a bit of nothing really. Um, talking about other games. So other games, obviously, this weekend. Um, how do we genuinely feel about the South African sides in it? I mean, I don't really care, but... There's some strong appeal. I, I quite on like them. Sides. I quite like them. If if you're going to put the South African sides in, can we stop putting up stats like 12th European Cup appearance and like because there were ones where they said, "Oh, it's his third try in Europe," and I mm. don't know. I just I think it's crap. Get out. Yeah, I, that's fair I, enough. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't like care either way. But... I, don't, I'm not... I, I am not a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I think it's European Cup. I don't think they should be involved. I think it's fair to say that there, there's a couple of really good sides, so yes. they kind of deserve to be in, oh, yes. a, champ, in a Champions Cup. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're they're certainly good enough, and they bring a slightly different, um, slightly different sort of game as well. So that's mm. that's good. Um, but they bring their referees as well. They referee a completely different style of. Rugby. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. That, that and, needs to be just, looked I at. Mean, just just the whole concept uh, of having to go there 
Mm. Um, for, for a team to have to go there and play or for them to come here and play is just environmentally, yeah. financially bonkers. And and things like that, it's, it's the complete opposite of levelers, isn't it? You go over there, humidity, altitude, there's there's all these other things that factor in to, to making it a bit of a mismatch. For me, it's it's another one of those things where they're fucking around with a competition where pre-pandemic groups of four top teams in this groups went through runners up to get eight teams worked really well. What was wrong with the format? It, it, it's it's this bollocks that it's all for the fans, and I I just found it really excited by it. Like if Gloucester get. I'm assuming we qualify. When, if let's say in five years' time, when we have our next five-year plan, we qualify and they're still in it. Am I going to get excited at the thought of going away to South Africa? No, because I can't even. You know, just it's not a viable option, is it? It just makes it a bit shit for me. Yeah, I, I, I mean, so I haven't really got any strong opinions either way. I think mainly because we haven't had to face it from a Gloucester point of view. Um, the problem you've got is if you. If you're if you're allowing them in to enter into the URC, and they are not benefiting from Champions Cup rugby, you do you do risk making the competition the URC even more pointless because at the moment it's pointless because Leinster are going to win it, but the um well they're going to be the top two, but if you if the South African sides have got no real involvement and it means that when you get to the end, last couple of games of the season and there's no real need for them to put a side out because they're not going to qualify for the Champions Cup, it it becomes a bit of an issue there. I can see that's that's why they had to be brought into the into that Champions Cup, Challenge Cup reckoning because otherwise it makes the URC system even more weird. So I don't know. It's It's... I take your points, and I, I know I know exactly where you're coming from. Certainly, from a fan's point of view, it's crap. It, it, I, mean, it, I, I remember it when work. we had a, we had a game against Natal, a pre-season game. Against we did, Natal, yes. Mm. Um, I don't know, twenty odd years ago. Yeah, that's and, 2003, wasn't it? And I was thinking, oh, because that, you know, that was when I was travelling to every game, home away, Europe, and and it was like, oh, well, I can't do that. And I know some people that did. Yeah, I know, know a few people went. Yeah, and and I'm kind of like, well, if it was if it was a European, well, a Champions Cup game or a Challenge Cup game, mm. uh, I know there's a lot of people that pride themselves on going out on every single one of those trips, and that you know if you get yourself organised, you can do it for a few hundred quid. I don't think you can get to South Africa for a few hundred quid, can you? It ends up being a really significant um, expense and time. It's not, you're not going to do it in a short weekend. No, no. I, yeah. I, I, you know, it, that, that's where it really does let itself down from the fans point of view. It doesn't work. Does it? Um, and then um, other get up to be fair, I watched a bit of the Sarri's Ospreys game. Um, Ospreys played really well for about 60 minutes and actually kind of did what I thought Gloucester would do, which was do well for 60 minutes and just fall off a cliff. Um, but um, they got some decent players, Ospreys. I think they were quite unlucky, really. I think they they got to a position where they they seemed to be stretching out, and then Saracen scored a fantastic try um, 
because Malins wasn't it off the off a, a really good bit of play from um, from Good. Was that um, one at half time? Sorry, Saracen scored. You know, on there's one at half time, but there was half also time, it didn't was because they? they're yeah. very good at that. Because Ospreys went ahead again, and then it was um, uh, Sarri's um, scored a great, yeah, the, the try from where Good made a break and kick over the top, inside ball to Malins. That was a really nice bit of play. From then on, they just looked like they were gonna, they were gonna win. Um, even though even then they were still losing, it was, uh, it, they, they just seemed to just up a couple of gears. Um, final thing of this week's pod before we talk about voting for things. Um, which was something I mentioned before that, uh, at the end of the last bit of the pod, which was about the um, England-Italy game. And I'd never, I'd not actually seen this happen yet, even though I've, I've heard it mentioned. England thought they'd scored their bonus point try. Conversion was taken, missed. And then at that point, the TMO goes down to the ref and says, uh, we need to take a look at this because it's obstruction. Which and apparently changed the law. Yeah, they did. Um, they changed the law at the beginning of the season. Um, so now you've got from the try being scored all the way through to the kickoff before uh, for a TMO to review it. Um, so even if they kick a conversion, it doesn't have any impact. The TMO yeah. can well, still that, that's, review that's it. That's where because you used to have the referee say to the kicker, "No, no, no, wait," mm. and then they'd be there twiddling their thumbs. Not good build up. You get no. nervous or whatever. Um, and it wastes loads of time. So it makes perfect sense. Yeah. You know, yep, you can have your kick, <laughs> but I might delay the restart because there's a lot less pressure on a restart kick well, than it, there is a conversion. Because it came about, didn't it? Because Sarri's scored one, and it was clearly yep. not a try, and Farrell just dotted it down and just spunked the kick deliberately so that they yep. couldn't look at it. So that's why they did what you said, Jim, which was like, no, you, you're not taking the kick. Yeah, and, and I think it's a better... I do think it means... It just, look, you've got your conversion, you've still got the TMO, and the TMO can just turn around to referee and say, look, once before we restart, I want to just double... I want 20 seconds or something like that. You know, it, it's all about making sure the communication's right. And it leads me on to just one other thing which was mentioned in, on Twitter from um, Neil Fissler saying that... Um, talking about the... the um, the fact that we should stop the replays of incidents in the ground. They should all be dealt with up in the TMO and the truck, like it used to be, because I remember before big screens came up. So Neil is saying we should just get rid of that because because it, it creates too much pressure on the referee by the oohs and the ahs of the crowd. I, I do understand. I do understand. But that's that's called home advantage. Yeah, well, well yeah. What, what you want to do is make the experience in the ground more shit for the fans. That's well, this definitely point, yeah. what you want to do because yeah. we we had that Irish, didn't we, Ed? Where there was they were replaying something, they were looking at something, and you're sat there going, "What are they doing? What are they looking at?" And it was about five minutes of having no idea because the replays showed nothing. So. I'd yeah, argue you, we want to have ref link yeah, exactly through that. the tannoy. Not you don't have to have your headphone in with a little device that you paid extra for. It should just be commentary. And then everyone knows because there's probably about 10% of the people in the ground understand what referee hand signals are. So actually, if you've got ref link, then it is a more engaging. I, I mean, yeah, in, in, in NFL and in football, the referee has to go to a booth and watch it. 
Well, no, NFL, they go for NFL is fascinating to watch the process because I've seen it. Because this um, NFL, there are so many intricacies, aren't there? And I remember one, it depends. Well, that's a a big broken bit of NFL because if it's a really popular game, it's done at a neutral venue. But but what, yeah, but what I've seen, (laughs) what I've seen on the replays was I've seen ones where they're booing it and then they've got is the person going up through it is an expert and he's explaining it to that. And you suddenly hear the whole stadium just going quiet. Suddenly it's like, yeah, fair one. Because they can't argue <laughs> with the process because well, it's so spelled out. I, I think I think I know what you mean so that you go to a, you go through to a little booze. Because what what I think Fistler's saying is that you have what you have in football with a VAR. So it'll say on the screen, uh, TMO check, uh, potential knock on or potential offside or something. So everyone on the ground knows what they're looking for. Kind of okay. But you don't see it, so that's just nonsense. Right. Um, also, sometimes what, in rugby, I it's think... like, I, I want you to check this potential knock-on, and actually he doesn't give it for some completely different reason. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I say, yeah, do away actually, with the, the knock-on's fine, but I've seen something else, yeah. yeah. Do, do away with the referee making the call, because the TMO is an official. Just, have, just save all the time and just have the TMOs, because they'll do it. When it's a try score, the, the referee was out of sight. He'll look at the touch judge and he'll say, was that good? Ref, uh, the touch judge says, yes, right, try scored. Well, why can't they do the same with the TMO and just go, tell me what to do? So, What, the, what do you think? Yeah. Whatever you think we're doing, because I'm not sure. So why, do, why do they have to watch it on the screen 86 that, yeah. times in that, shit definition when there's a guy sat in front of four computer screens, all angles, controlling the mouse for the bloody slow mo. Well, if, if it depends, the decision. It depends who you listen to, though, Jim. Because apparently, you know, there's the rumours always that they just do what Austin Healy and Ben K tell them to, and that they're linked into. Well, that's the cops. because they're usually correct. Because yeah, really I know. I, I'm not well, saying. So there's two aspects to it. One, Russ. Yes, they they do because the feed isn't like the, yeah, the, I know. the life. The feed they get is the TV feed, um, and that's. That's what they look, and so Austin Healy will go. I want to just clip that back up again because I think I saw something, um, and then that's how they'll find it. That is true. That is. Yeah, what I know it is. A... The the other aspect is Jim. That's exactly what we used to do. TMOs used to because the, we didn't have the big screens in every in every stadium, um, and that's what we used to do. That's what that's what the TMO. Yeah. Meant, what, but that the, they moved it to make it the referee is the sole and final arbiter of the decisions on the field. So the only solution and the only real solution that actually works is to have fucking noise of what's going and being said pumped through the tannoys. Now, we all know we've all had this conversation about how crap Gloucester's tannoy system is. But regardless of that, it worked. They do it in rugby league and it works brilliantly. They do it in all the rugby union down in Australia and New Zealand and it works brilliantly. They do it in NFL and it works brilliantly. It's not hard, difficult technology. It can be done very quickly. I, I think they just need to make sure that the process is clear, don't they? We've had this conversation before as well. If I know that it's down to the ref or it's down to the TMO who makes the final decision, that's fine. I do agree to a, to a point with Jim because it is ridiculous now where, the, where you'll go to the ref going, so what I'm seeing is so-and-so has gone high and he's taken his head off and you'll have the TMO going, um, you might want to look at it again from another angle. And they're being really polite about it when, when really they want to go, no, you fucked hard. The laws aren't <laughs> right. 
this is actually what the decision is. Is did that like sort of polite conversation, isn't it? It's like I, I do let, agree. Let, with let you. me just show you it again in real time. Yeah, no, yeah, let's yeah. see something which like is, that. No, which yeah. translates to I don't think you're correct. So Snowy, as someone who I mean, you let's be honest, you I mean Russ goes to the occasional game, Jim and I go every week. You're the one person, really, from a TV point of view, point, you get all this anyway. You get so do you yeah, and be honest. Do you really care from from the crowd's point of view? Do you care the crowd on the ground what we see, what we experience? Do you think it actually makes a difference? Um, for, from whose perspective? From your uh, perspective, yeah. But, so from, no, but, but for the enjoyment of the crowd, or for yeah. The, so the enjoyment of the crowd, of the decision. Both, if you want to set, go that that route. Because I think the issue with the accuracy of decision is that off is that not every referee gets to see the same level of footage, whether that's because it's not covered properly on BT Sports, so they've only got a few crappy camera angles, um, or because it's heavily influenced by what the, the commentators are saying and what the commentators are showing. So what I think it should be is there's just a standard developed, and if in terms of cost that means that you have to have a TMO sat in an office somewhere on a Saturday afternoon... Mm. I mean, there's, there's, why, why are they paying for all that TV technology in that van and everything to be outside every stadium? Just doesn't make any sense with modern technology. I, I think, just, yeah. just make it, make it super consistent, black and white, and then the fan experience is just it. That's not the most critical thing. The most critical thing is getting the decision right. But then once you get, once you've got that in place, getting the the fan experience decent is easy. It's mm. just you just you're just relaying the comms. It's, yeah. it's it's almost like the, the problem sometimes is it feels like they can have too much say and you get this all the time don't you like you know sometimes it feels like the thing they're looking for is quite ridiculous it's like oh 32 phases back i think so and so knocked it on by a, a millimeter with his finger can we go back and check that well, I, I think, think it, the, the dummy throw for the tr- disallowed try against saracens would be yeah. a pretty good example of that i think yeah well, and, a and dummy so- throw that you yeah, touch judging the referee have to see that yeah, yeah I, 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 that, I think that's what they need to clarify and say the instances are foul play, whatever in terms of the tries. Other than that, you could do, and if you want to make it fairer, give it like, I don't know, give it a captain's challenge or something. Because I think they do that in doing rugby league, league. Yeah, league cricket and then- quite well and tennis, it works well. So just. You yeah. could just make that process a bit more efficient. So it's not because it does sometimes feel like, oh, God, another bloody check on something that doesn't matter. Yeah, agreed. Um, right. Final thing. And then we're going to finish for the, for the week. Uh, and that is on Thursday, um, the uh, closing of voting for um, the Sports Podcast Awards, which is still hysterical. Uh, so please, if you haven't voted already, um, Please do. It really would mean a huge amount to us, even just to even I say even just being on the shortlist is brilliant. But if we even, can get even to come ninth, it, yeah, great, it, wouldn't it? To to come ninth would be brilliant. Oh, um, it has to be ninth. If it's not first, we have to come ninth. If Think we, about the word shortlist, is it sounds like there was a bigger <laughs> number that was reduced. Oh, you missed, you missed all this. You missed all Ed Ed had to. Ed had to nominate us, you know. It's, it's so. Hey, Russ, do, do you not? This is how this You've is got to be in I it know. to win it. Yeah, I, I Russ, know. This is how this is how I the know private we sector had this works, conversation. Do, you, I know we had this. All these awards are nonsense. It's it fine. should look. It should be like the public sector. There should be about fifteen committees to establish that shortlist. All right, but what I want to know is: is there 
any truth to the rumour that Ben Morgan has said he wants his salary for the rest of the season to go to building a load of bots to make sure we win? Is there any truth to that? <laughs> I, I hope I hope that's true. I hope <laughs> that Ben Morgan is uh, expanding a scaffolding business to a bot factory. It's got um, a load of chat GPT working out, like you know, anything that will allow us to just tip the scales in our favour. I mean, let's be honest. We all know Gloucester fans are renowned. The winning polls and winning uh, votes, so we can only hope that uh, you know they they just do, give they me work. an idea. Can Chat ChatGPT can it analyze our performances these this season and suggest the best way we should play in the next game? I'm sure it can. It, I it mean, can it's... do. You have to program it in the right way. So what it can't do? I think it's oh, oh, all about work. <laughs> oh, here we go. It, it, you, here we go. So what you what you We've could do? The I don't. I don't it think was just you, a joke. No, no, no. I know. <laughs> but what would be funny is you could you could train it to think like a historically like a Gloucester coach. I don't think you can get it to answer as a specific person yet. So you couldn't get it to go. Could you tell me George Skiverton's game plan against Bath? But I bet you being as it's fucking Gloucester, you could program it in there to give some game plan and it would somehow end up on the taxi driver's back seat in like the away game or or it would say something like what you don't need are answer machines get rid of them and then (laughs) someone will phone up wanting a contract it would just fuck us over wouldn't it it wouldn't it wouldn't be what ai is supposed to be artificial intelligence that's an oxymoron when it comes to gloucester i think okay so unfortunately i've asked bard and it sounds like he's somewhat aligned with George Skivington. So he says that the best chance of winning is we need to capitalise on playing at home. We've got a good home record, so we should look to use that to our advantage. We need to get the set piece right. We need to be clinical in attack. Gloucester have the potential to be a very dangerous attacking team, but they need to be more clinical in their finishing if they want to score enough points to win. We need to defend well as a team. No shit. And we should also stay disciplined because Gloucester have been guilty of giving away too many penalties this season. Can I, can I make a point? <laughs> that is the that is the AI equivalent of a uh, of um, a psychic, you know, some like some bloke in a little tent uh, saying, you know, I I I can see a tall dark stranger in your future, or uh, yeah. you know, there is so It's literally so broad and generic, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, Mystic it, it also. <laughs> You could just imagine. I. This is proper. With I, I just have visions of our next coach being Chad. Could you imagine a coach in our effort to cost effectiveness? (laughs) We don't need an actual manager. We're going to get all the fans to program an artificial intelligence for us. It'd be interesting to know, you know, no one's ever going to risk it, but I reckon we'd have done as well, if not better, this season with an AI making the calls. It depends who's <laughs> programming it. Gloucester's artificial intelligence, you'll have to cut this out, but it'll be programmed by Danny Gloss. I do wonder I, sometimes if coaches are just massively inflated in terms of their importance. And the reality is, if you get 15 good players playing in their positions and you tell them to go out and try and win the game of rugby, whether they'll just do it most of the time. Well, Look at what nearly happened Saturday where we let the players play how they wanted to play. They nearly fucking did it. 
Um, to answer your question, Snowy, yes, that is that is an actual thing, and I agree with you entirely. There's enough there's enough evidence in in in, in terms of football coaching that uh, most of the decisions these days are actually taken by a computer anyway. So it wouldn't surprise me that if you yeah. put an AI yeah. coach in charge, the, the, yeah, the, they, they, they hire the kids. To, it's, it they, shouldn't be the decision maker; it's the motivator. It's the thing that a computer can't do is yeah. get that top ten percent. So, Snowy's biggest bugbear is almost artificial intelligence, isn't it? It's that sub on the 60th minute where it's just a little chip going, oh, so-and-so's tired, time to suff him off. doesn't matter how well he's playing or like what influence he's having on the game. It's like, now nah, he looks, he, he, the computer chip says he's tired. Computer yeah, says no. His blood oxygen levels drop to 0.2% yeah. sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, but I think AI has already exceeded that level of intelligence. Yeah, well, let's be honest. If it's, uh, this, we've now gone off on a ra- proper random <laughs> rabbit hole. But if anybody and I'm has, and, yeah, and if if anybody hasn't seen the Pope in a puffer jacket, um, please do because I was absolutely convinced that was real. So anyway, right on that weird uh, bombshell. Um, thank you very much, guys. A genuinely enjoyable pod despite a defeat, and um, we've got a week off next week. And we've got and please keep sending your um, ideas on how to fix rugby because that's what we talk about next week. Um, and obviously the Champions Cup, we're not in. Oh, fucking hell, a nice, light heart, a nice light-hearted it. pod next week then. Cheers, Ed. That's all right. Uh, cheers, guys. Thanks very much. Cheers. Nice one. Cheers. Cheers.